21 says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? And essentially he says, no, my help doesn't come from the hills or from anything that was created, not from a person, not from stuff, not from what I look like or feel like or whatever. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made all that stuff. So why would we look to things when we are invited to the one who made the things, right? It's a great reminder and a great uh, setup for what we're going to look at in the Word together. If you have a Bible nearby, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. If you weren't here last week, uh, I know we have lots of sick people uh, uh, in, a, in a good way. Uh, lots of um, cold and flu type stuff going around. And uh, So if you weren't here last week... Uh, we began an, a series that's going to kind of um, complement what's going on during the 30 days of prayer. So we have the, the daily devotional stuff uh, that's, uh, that's going on. And then our community groups are going to, um, each week during the 30 days, what we're looking at together in the scriptures will connect to the covenant that we're praying through. Um, and then Sunday nights, of course, will fit in there as well. And so we're, gonna do a, we're doing a four-part series. This is part two. Uh, looking at biblical conflict resolution, uh, which um, makes people nervous, you know, it, re- it really does. Uh, but if you think about it, I mean, think about how much conflict we have with one another. Big stuff, little stuff, um, or, I mean, it just, it just, just covers the spectrum. And, and so if we're praying over the 30 days about our commitments to the Lord and to one another and how we've agreed to live together as a family, then one of the things uh, that's important within a family is that you deal with the conflicts that come up. And they will come up. They do. Um, and so we need to be dealing with this in the ways that Scripture lays out for us. It's a very practical and important way that we live inside the kingdom together. Um, and so uh, just to echo what I said last week, uh, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to run out of here and immediately just start having all these super heavy conversations and dealing with all this stuff. I'd rather let all four weeks settle in because it's kind of like we're, we're kind of like building a house uh, or whatever. So last week was the foundation. Today we frame it. Next week we'll hang the sheetrock and then we'll paint it on the last week. So it would be good to see the, the whole spectrum of teaching rather than to run out too soon um, and let the Lord equip us for some of these conversations uh, just in case. And um, some of our college students apparently last week after church uh, played some board games and there was a lot of conflict, but they uh, refused to resolve it because I told them that they couldn't. So um, thanks for listening uh, in that regard. Uh, let me just review very quickly the foundational stuff from last week. Uh, we really need, in regard to conflict, we need to be thinking about it correctly. A lot of times with conflict, we, like, it's such an emotional thing. You know, someone has hurt us, they've hurt our feelings, they've betrayed us, or we've betrayed someone else. We've hurt someone else, and now we're just not sure how to, how to proceed in such a way that resolves that. And uh, it's very emotional, but our emotions come from our, from our brain. We think it comes from our heart because that's what 
you know, romantic comedy movie type things have taught us, but really it doesn't come from the heart in that way, it comes from our mind. And so we're emotional because we're thinking about it a certain way. And so we need to be, make sure that we're thinking about conflict correctly and not just going with whatever we're feeling. Um, we need to work, you know, go to the root. And so to think about it correctly from a foundational standpoint means uh, to apply our theological understanding of how everything works to things like conflict. And so there are three, kind of three big ingredients kind of going into that foundation last week. Um, the first one is, uh, is the impact that sin has had. That from, from the beginnings when, when Adam and Eve broke the universe, basically, uh, that has caused, it has put us at odds with each other. It began with the two of them. Uh, they were in opposition to each other. And God told them, like, because of this, like, you're going to be opposed to each other. That's how it's going to work. And that was passed to their, to their kids to the point where one kid killed the other kid. Uh, and from there, there's just always been this tension between us. And that's a result of sin. So um, sin caused us to, to be at odds with the Lord. It caused us to be at odds with each other. It caused us to be at odds with ourselves internally. It caused us to be at odds with creation. I mean, it just, it just broke everything. It really did. So we have to understand that whenever... Whenever we're dealing with conflict, that that's the point of origin. Okay, the point of origin is not that your best friend is the worst person that's ever walked the planet. You know, um, it's not them. They're not the problem. Sin, sin is the real problem. Uh, sin has has made us terrible people, act like terrible people sometimes. You know, uh, that's a part of it. So God was very good to tell us that, like, hey, this is why you have problems. This is why you have quarrels among you. Um, so we have to think about it correctly. So it's, it's, you can't make the person that hurt you the enemy. We have to understand that sin has caused that conflict. We also have to apply our theology in knowing that Jesus died and covered that sin. So really, the whole issue has been taken care of already. The ones in the future, the ones you're dealing with now, the ones in your past, Jesus has already, he's already paid the debt that exists between there. It's all taken care of. And so, really what conflict resolution is, it's, it's us, us catching up to reality with each other. It's two people saying, okay, we're at odds right now, and Jesus has already fixed this, so now we've got to figure out how to, work, how to work that out in real life to where we're getting on board slowly by healing together to where we're able to live in that, in what He has made real among us. So, the first thing is the impact that sin has had. The second is that through what he's done on the cross, uh, for, if you're a Christian, he, he gives you the opportunity to live in his kingdom now. And in his kingdom, uh, it's just totally safe to have those conversations. There's a safety that exists. Uh, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen. It's, it's perfectly fine to say, like, hey, this really hurt me. It's perfectly fine to say, I know that I hurt you, and I'm really, really sorry about that. It's okay to confess. It's okay to... Um, to work through that. It's okay that it takes a little bit of time. It's okay. it's, all those things are it's perfectly safe. Um, we have a lot of fears in the kingdom of the world. In the kingdom of God, there's a, like, there's a goodness that exists among us. And so with, within a church family, of all places, we should be able to resolve conflict really, really well. And I know some of these things, it's very different when it's you and someone who's not a believer. I understand that. Um, and but really, we have to learn how to resolve conflict among believers. We need to get really good at that within the family first. And then 
through that we get trained, and then we're better at handling it with people who, who don't know Christ. Uh, that's like secondary, but we're not super good at it right now, just among us. We're not. Um, I'm not good at it, and a lot of you are not good at it. Uh, a lot of you have come a long way in it. Some of you are awesome at it, and we're all trying to learn from each other in that. So sin, is, sin has put us against each other, but Jesus has covered that. Inside the kingdom, it's completely safe for us to have these dialogues and be honest with each other. Um, and then the third thing is that, that a precedent has been set by the gospel. Jesus has, has modeled conflict resolution for us. We need to see the cross and what he has done as the epitome of what conflict resolution looks like. We, we offended him with our sin. He left heaven, came to earth, considered our needs ahead of his own, was obedient to the Father, and he did what it would take to reconcile us to him, to the Father, and then to one another. Uh, he was selfless. He told us the truth. Uh, everything about the gospel we can apply. And so what conflict resolution really is, it's, it's you and I just reenacting the gospel together with each other. We say, okay, sin put us against each other. Jesus fixed that. It's totally safe to have this conversation. Let's figure out how to reenact the gospel together. And that may take one conversation. It may take, it may take a couple of weeks. It may take a couple of years. Different hurts, different situations. I understand all that. But that's some foundational stuff that helps us think correctly about the conflict that we have with each other. So tonight, now we're going to kind of frame it up a little bit more. And it's really important that we, um, that, that we prepare our hearts and our minds in certain ways before we enter into some sort of confrontation with someone. Uh, confrontation has such a, you know, everybody's like, ooh, I hate that word, you know, I, I, um, I shy away from confrontation. I, I run from it at all costs. Or some people are like, I love it. You know, can't get enough of it. Whatever. Uh, but confrontation is not bad, right? Because we're in the kingdom. And so confrontation really just means like, hey, I'm going to be upfront with you about this. We're going to talk about this. Um, but we have, to, we have to really like prepare ourselves to go into that situation. You don't just run into it. Um, a couple of years ago, um, me and my brother, well, actually, okay, a couple years ago, I was driving home late one night uh, to my parents' house. And uh, it was like, I was just driving, 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 and this deer runs out in front of me. And uh, she was quicker than me. And she ran across, and I just kind of like, just clipped her, her back end a little bit, and uh, she was fine. Uh, we exchanged information. It was all fine. Uh, and um, so I got out and was kind of, you know, like freaked out a little bit, and there's no damage, no whatever. She's long gone. No big deal. So one week later, same exact time of night, uh, me and my brother Drew are driving, and I'm telling him the story. And as I'm telling him the story, uh, I say something like, and then out of nowhere, this deer runs out. And at that exact moment, out of nowhere, a deer runs out. And this time, I just, like, just straight on, just, it was bad. And uh, so, so the deer goes skidding away, and the truck just, like, comes to a halt, and we're both sitting there, and Drew has this look on his face that probably only my family would know, but it's a, it's a combination of a smile and a shock. Uh, it's kind of like this. <laughs> the guy just has that look about him. And, we're, and I think I had the same one at that moment. And he just keeps going, did that just happen? Did that really just happen? And I was like, Drew, it, it happened. Uh, it happened. And so... We get out, and, and the, the truck won't go anywhere. It's, it's, you know, it's all messed up. And um, so we're about a 15-minute walk from the house. So we're like, all right, well, let's walk to the house, and we'll, get, we'll come tow it back or whatever. 
and we go over to look, to look for the deer, and everybody, it'll be okay. She wasn't dead yet, all right? Um, and so we're like, okay, we, gotta, we can't just, we need to put her out of her misery, right? That's a humane thing to do. And so I told Drew, I said, all right, we have two choices. One, we, you know, we walk to the house, we come back with a gun, and we shoot her. Um, and the other one is, I have this long uh, crawfish paddle in the back of my truck. <laughs> and we could, just, we could just go William Wallace on her real quick and get it over with. And Drew said one of the, probably one of the, definitely to date, the smartest thing I've ever heard him say. This is the most wisdom I've ever seen. He said, I don't think we should just roll up on a wounded animal uh, and get that close to have to, like, club her to death. Um, and I was like, you know, that's, that's very, very smart. And, uh, and so it was all, everything worked out. It's all fine. She, she went peacefully, and uh, everything was cool. Um, but, but I was just like, yeah, crawfish paddles were, like, five feet long, and I can get this long plus five feet from her. And he was like, you don't need to just roll up on, on a wounded animal because you always hear stories about them just going crazy uh, whenever you get close to them or they're in shock and they come out of it and they like, you know, whatever. Uh, was it like Black Sheep or Tommy Boy when the deer wakes up in the back seat? Like that stuff happens. Uh, it really happens. And so, um, so Drew saved us uh, from getting attacked by a doe because they're so violent. Uh, anyway, in, in a conflict resolution situation, it's, you have to realize if, if you have hurt this other person, or the other person has hurt you, you're dealing with someone who's been wounded. And when we're wounded and someone comes at us, or you go at them, uh, the wounded act like they're wounded. They, they might flip out. They might come, come at you harder. It may actually make things worse. And so whether, whether you are the offender or you're the offended, it doesn't really matter. You have to really prepare your heart and your mind for that conversation um, and, and know, like, going into it, uh, you just have to approach it and knowing, like, there's some serious hurt here. And it would not be wise to just stumble in there and whatever. And so, uh, so that's what tonight's going to be. It's how do you frame it up? How do you get your heart and your mind ready for that sit-down with someone who is, either has been hurt by you or you've been hurt by them and, and stuff? So, all right, so there's, uh, there's three things we're going to look at. Because I'm, I'm trying to be more organized with my with my thoughts and stuff. All right, so I'm going to give you three questions that, um, that you can kind of like process through uh, in our conflict resolution. The first question to ask yourself um, is, what, what role do I play in this confrontation? Right? What's, what, what role do I play? Most of us kind of err on one side or the other. Uh, in these, okay, yeah, there's like usually like two ways that we kind of go as far as like, what's my role going to be? So we either play the accuser or we play the uh, con- convictor, which isn't a word, but you know what I'm saying. The one who accuses or we're the one who convicts. Like that's our mindset going in sometimes. So if, if we're thinking our role is to go in and accuse, right, like that's an attitude, right? That's a posture of the mind and the heart. To go into accuse is like, you did this to me, and I can't believe it, and you're the worst person ever, and I thought we were friends. No, 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 you're finger pointing, right? Uh, that's why it's important to process this before you go in, because that never, ever makes things any better. Um, the one who accuses, uh, you know theologically who the, one, who the accuser is? The devil, 
the devil. In, in Revelation 12, you don't need to flip to it, but verse 10, look at what verse 10 says about Satan. Um, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Now, yeah, that's about, that's about some other stuff, all right? But that's a part of like Satan's personality and his disposition is, is pointing the finger and accusing. And so I don't think it's a big reach to say when, when that's our attitude going into some sort of confrontation, if we're, the, if we're thinking like an accuser, then we are being satanic in that moment. So that's why it's important to make sure that you work through this stuff before you go in. Because if you're going to act like somebody, it doesn't need to be the devil. Okay? So that's, that's one thing. The other, the, kind of the other like, role that we tend to take on is, is the one who, who brings conviction. You know? Almost like it's your job to go in and convince them how wrong they were to you. Convince them how terrible they are and how bad they've made you feel. Or convince them that, like if you're the one that hurt them, convince them that you're really kind of making a big deal out of nothing. And it really wasn't, you know, I don't really know what the the whole thing is, but I'm sorry, whatever, you know, whatever makes you feel better. Like, it's your job to bring conviction to them in however that would look. Um, and it's not, it's not your job to bring conviction, to convince them of their sin. Uh, that is the job of the Holy Spirit, right? So in John, again, you don't need to turn to it, but we're just going to throw it up on the screens. In John 16, uh, 7 through 11, it's what Jesus describes with the Spirit. Um, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I, this is Jesus talking, if I do not go away, the Helper, right, that's the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. See, when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. See, it's his, it's his job. That's his function among us. So if we're talking conflict resolution among believers, it's not, it's not my job to convict you of your sin. The Spirit, that's his job between us. He's the one that brings conviction. So Satan is the one that accuses. The Spirit is the one that brings conviction. So what is, what is, what's my role in this confrontation well, look at, look at where we went in Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And that, and just we'll hit pause real quick. That's what's happening during this series. That's what's happening is... The Spirit is equipping us to better handle this aspect of ministering to one another through conflict resolution. Um, the elders have dis- a lot of this comes from discussion among the elders, the staff, different people that I've like talked about, kind of compiling different different things. So that's what's happening: is Jesus is equipping us for better ministry to one another. Verse thirteen. So we're building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All right? So we're, we're building together, we're growing together, we're maturing together. Verse 14, so that we may no longer be children 
All right? Conflict resolution in the nursery should look like, it, I mean, that's, that are their kids. They should handle it like kids. Sometimes as adults, we kind of handle it a lot like they do in the nursery. And so we're asking the Lord to teach us and help us grow up, honestly, in dealing with some of this stuff. So we, we no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. All right? When we don't resolve conflict together biblically, when we don't involve Christ in what's going on and ask for His help, um, there's deception among us. We're deceiving each other into thinking everything's okay. Or what you did to me was okay. Or, I know I wronged you, but you don't have a right to really be upset about that. Or whatever weird twisted thing happens in there, we're trying to handle everything out in the open because that's what happens in the kingdom. We walk in the light because He is in the light. So, that's kind of where we're all headed. Verse 15 Okay, so rather than getting caught up in all that stuff, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way. Into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's what we're going for. We build and we build and we build in love. And so what is, what is the role in this confrontation? It's in verse 15. Speaking the truth in love. That's, that's your role. To speak the truth in love, not to accuse and not to convict. We say, hey, I'm, I'm here to be really honest with you. Because I love you. And I know that you love me. And that's because Christ loved us first. So I need to be honest with you about what has happened and how I feel about it. And I want us to talk and I want us to pray. And uh, it's both of them. It's the truth and it's love married together. Sometimes we, air, we do a lot of love, and, and, but it's, it's void of truth sometimes. And that's deceptive. And sometimes it's tons of truth, but with no love. That's deceptive as well. Because neither one of those by themselves are... are uh, Completely accurate, it's all together, just like Jesus did with us. So, as you're working through and you're like headed toward, I need to have this sit down, you're asking yourself, what is my role? And like prayer is how you work through that. Prayer is, is when Jesus like reveals to you, like, hey, hey, you're trying, to, you're trying to do the Spirit's job. Make sure that's not your attitude. Or, hey, you're kind of acting satanic in this. Uh, let's, let's not do that. Let's come back over here. Prayer is how you, you get to the point where you're able to articulate and speak the truth, but you're also it's coming from a position and a place of love for them. And unfortunately, prayer is, all, is the missing element for a lot of us in how we handle conflict. We react a lot, or we handle it the way it, it works in the, in the world, or how, whatever. We'll get to that stuff in another couple of weeks. But prayer is, is, how, is how we get to where we're in the right place and knowing what our role is, and also knowing what our role is not. All right, so that's, that's the first question from the first text. Uh, all right, go to Matthew chapter 7. The next uh, question that we have is, uh, in what ways have I contributed to the problem? In what ways have I contributed to the problem? And uh, we hate this one, right? We hate it. 
especially when, when you are the one who's been hurt. When you're the one that's been hurt, you never stop to think, how did I contribute to this? You know? But it's an important part of the process. So in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has this to say, verse 1. Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, sorry, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I know this text deals with judgment. There's a principle here, uh, and I think it applies a lot to when, we, when you are feeling hurt by someone else, we kind of like default into judgment mode, you know of that person, of their motives, of their actions, of everything. And so Jesus is teaching us something very important about processing things in the kingdom. Kingdom is very, it has a real order to it. And um, this is one of those passages that clearly shows, before you do this, you need to do this. It's kind of the, like I've talked about it before, with when you're going through the safety stuff on an airplane, and they tell parents, like, you know, the oxygen mask dropped to put your mask on first and then help the kid. Don't help the kid first and then you because if you, you're, you're of no good to your kid if you're on the ground, you know. And they say that, one, because it makes sense, of course. But also it's counterintuitive to parents, you know. Parents are going to gonna go kids first. And so I think they're kind of putting in your mind, like, hey, in the unlikely event that this happens, this is the order that needs to go down. Uh, when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. When you think about this, it makes a lot of sense. You know, like, we're trying to nitpick the other person when the whole time we're kind of blind to our own stuff. And so it's an important part of the process to bring yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, will you help me see how, uh, how I contributed to this whole situation? And you've you got to ask Him, and you've got to listen, you know, and you really have to be open to whatever he has to say. And that's difficult for someone who's hurt, especially someone who's like super, super hurt. And so why would this be a part? Why, why is this important? Um, and I think that's a really legitimate question, uh, especially for people who, have, who are dealing, like, who the, the conflict is, is more in the category of abuse. You know? and, I, and I think, I think sometimes we're too quick to label something as abuse. So I'm talking about like, legitimately abusive situations. Um, I think that's, this is a weird text to try to apply to that. You know, To think, how did I contribute to the abuse that has come from my abuser? How did I contribute to this situation? Um, here's why I think it's really important for, if that's, if that's what you're wrestling through, here's why I think it's important to ask. Because sometimes we need the Spirit of God to tell us it's not your fault. We need him to say, there isn't a log in your eye. You didn't contribute to this at all. You know, it's like that scene in Goodwill Hunting where, uh, I don't know their character names, but when Robin Williams' character is talking to Matt Damon's character, uh, I guess his name is Will, and uh, 
and he's a hunter. And so they're having this conversation. And I don't know if you've seen the movie, not to spoil it, but uh, Robin Williams is a counselor, and Matt Damon's character, Will, had just taken on all this responsibility for something that has happened. And, and the counselor just, he just keeps saying, like, it's not your fault. He's like, oh, I know, I know. It's not your fault. He's like, oh, I know, I know. And then he starts getting aggressive. He just keeps saying it's not your fault over and over and over again. And Will just, he just breaks down and he loses it. And it's like this really, really touching, very powerful scene. Um, we need to hear that from other people sometimes. But there's nothing like hearing it from the Lord. And so if you're processing through abuse and you've, and you've wondered, what did I do to bring this on myself? Then take a text like this and pray through it and listen to him and let him... Let him just speak into that pain. Let him enter into that memory or that pain or that situation and let him just whisper to you so perfectly and so gently, like, hey, you didn't, you didn't bring this on yourself. So there really may be no log in your own eye. But there may be. And so in some situations, in situations that would not be abuse, but situations that are, that are are less, uh, less extreme, um, as we're dealing with some of that stuff, it's important to bring yourself before the Lord and say, all right, I'm, I know exactly why I hate this person right now. But will you show me, are there things that I've done to contribute? And let him speak into it. It's, it's, it's important. I mean, he, may, he may level you, <laughs> you know. You may be stunned, I tell you what, when you go into a, a, that confrontation, like conversation with that person and you're being honest, when you go in and a part of it is like, let me, tell you, let me tell you how I've been praying. I've been asking God to show me how I contributed and these are some of the things that I know played into it. And you, when you lead out confessing your own sin to the person who has hurt you and they know that they've hurt you, uh, that's a good moment of kingdom life. Because it's perfectly safe to confess that stuff. There's a goodness to it, and it's important for us. So this needs to be a part of the process. As Lord, show me my own sin. Show me how I may have contributed. Show me what you need to show me about myself. And how that fits into the dialogue that I'm heading into, uh, whenever that may be. So, that's the second one. Last one. Let's go to Matthew 18. Last motive, or last uh, question, sorry. Spoiler, uh, what is my motive? What's my motive in this, in this confrontation? What am I going for? Uh, and this, this is a tricky one as well, because sometimes it's really hard to discern, you know. And that's why it's important to ask. And it's important to ask Jesus, show me my motive. Because if our motive is to, uh, is to pay him back, to just let him have it, that's not good. If our motive is like, I just want to like, I just want things to be less awkward, you know, that's, that's not good either. Um, if your motive is, I just want to feel better, like I just want, I just want to like, I just want to feel better about things. I just want to just get this off my chest. That's not good, either. 
And they kind of seem like, I don't know, they varying degrees of intensity, but there should be a very clear motive. And so that needs to be a part of our process to make sure that we are in, the, in a good place as far as like what's driving us into this conversation. Because the wrong motive will make that conversation, it'll just, it'll just uh, really, it'll greatly complicate what's already complicated between you uh, if you have weird motives. So Matthew 18 Verse 23. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And he could not pay. Uh, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. All right. So modern day equivalent would be like six, uh, $6 billion. Um, yeah, so... When, uh, let's see, 26, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. All right, forgave him a $6 billion debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. All right, so a little bit of money. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. Which is the same thing that he said earlier. Um, he refused and went and put him in prison uh, until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. All right? So that's kind of a brutal passage. Um, and I think that, you know, you get to the end... And Jesus is like, and God's going to deal with all of you that way if you don't forgive each other. What he's saying is that forgiveness is, is a form of love for one another that uh, is reflective of like, who we are in Christ. It's a natural part of how we are to interact with each other. And so for those who are truly in Christ, those who are truly saved, like, forgiveness is how we interact with each other. And when that is, isn't happening, like in this parable... Um, it's indicative of something, something much deeper. And so, rather than chase that, okay, let's kind of leave that there. Let's think about that, that situation. Here you have a $6 billion debt that is forgiven. And the thing about like, debt that's forgiven, it's not, he didn't just like, okay, well, let's just no more. The master absorbed that debt. So someone's going to, someone's, in that situation, someone's going to lose $6 billion. And the master said, well, rather than you lose it, I'll, I'll lose it. I'll, I'll absorb it. He took the hit, basically. And then this guy runs out and won't extend a little bit of that same stuff to someone else. And so Jesus is kind of drawing this thing of, of saying, like, okay, um, pay attention to what has happened vertically. All right? And not saying that God's above, but just, just pretend, all right, for now, God's above, okay? 
Pay attention to what's happened vertically, and you duplicate that horizontally together. And when, when what's happened vertically and what has happened horizontally, when they are incongruent with each other, like when they do not line up, then there's a problem. Um, so our motive should be, like we're, we want to acknowledge the forgiveness of the debt that is between us already. We want to acknowledge that Jesus has already paid the price for the sin that has happened here. That should be our motive. Not to make the other person pay. Not to make things less awkward. Not to whatever. The motive should be, let's reenact the gospel. Let's duplicate the gospel. Let's, let's work, work from where we are now to the cross, relationally, together, acknowledging that we have this little debt between us. And Jesus has forgiven this huge debt to us. And there is no difference between us. Sometimes we, we really feel like when we've been hurt by someone, we feel like that's the worst pain that there is. But it pales in comparison to sin against the holy God of the universe. To put it in financial terms, you're talking you know, $10,000 versus $6 billion. They don't, they don't even compare and so our motive has to be, like, let's work toward for the forgiveness, the reconciliation, the, re- the restoration of the gospel. That has to be where we're driving. And, we're, and a part of that is realizing, like, man, we're just, we're just, like, haggling over this, like, piddly little stuff in between us. When Jesus has absorbed all this stuff already, he's forgiven the debt toward him, and he's forgiven the debt toward each other. And so that whole discussion is really like, well, all right, let's, let's talk about how do we get from where we are to there. And if praying together is not a part of it, then, then we're missing it, you know. And that's what that confrontation needs to look like. So, but you have to ask yourself, what, what's my motive here? Is my motive forgiveness like we have here? Is, uh, is my motive that or is it I want to make you pay for what you did to me? If it's, I want to make you pay for what you did to me, then you need to back up a little bit and you need to work through that. And realize that Jesus has already soaked up that debt. Working toward forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration. That's the motive. That's the, that's the goal here. And so you come to the Lord and you say, you know, I know that that should be my goal, but it's not. I need you to help me get there. I need you to help me get from, I want to make that person pay for what they did, to, I want to reenact the gospel with this person. And so you have to bring yourself before the Lord, and you have to confess. You have to say, I need your help. I can't, I can't make this shift in my mind. And so you may end up praying for a long time, and being very steady and very faithful to that happens. And really, until that happens, you don't need to call that person up. You don't need to call them up until you understand what your role is, and you understand how you may have contributed, and, you understand, and your motive is what it needs to be. Until you and I have processed some things and we've got our heart and our mind lined up with the Lord and with the kingdom, then uh, we owe it to the person that was hurt. We owe it to the Lord. We owe it to one another as a family to, to handle these things in the right order and in the right ways. So, um, our response, uh, that, you know, the thing that we're doing all throughout the 30 days together, we're taking communion each week. And it goes so well with a, with a series like this on conflict resolution because it always comes down to, oh yeah, this is what Jesus did. 
This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. He's done this for me, and so he's done this for you. And, and just this reminder of what's real and what's important. And so that's, again, how we will respond to this. And we'll respond first by taking communion, and then we'll respond by singing together a little bit. Um, and so it's from that perspective. And so we don't really need to come to the, to the table and be thinking about the people that we hate, you know, or whatever. We'd be thinking about Jesus and what he has done. Because the more we understand that forgiveness, the more, like, the more we understand that forgiveness, the less likely we are to run out and uh, treat people terribly like the guy did in the parable. None of us want to be that guy. But sometimes we are. And Jesus tells us the way you, I'll train you to not be like that guy. Just stay focused on me. And so that's how we are going to respond. Um, so uh, we'll do this the way that we have the last few weeks. Uh, you'll tear the bread off and you'll dip it in the, in the juice and you'll um, take it, you know. And um, you don't have to come forward if you don't want to, if you're not, if you're not there. Uh, I know we've had some folks who, like, this is not your home church or whatever, and so uh, just know this is an open, open to everyone deal, and so don't feel strange about that. Um, but what I'd like to do is I would just, you just spend a minute or two just kind of getting ready and thinking about the conflict resolution that's happened between God and you, um, and focusing on that, and we'll let him we'll let him help us with each other the more we understand that. So you just you pray um, as my servers, uh, you guys come on forward, and uh, we'll get this going.